Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31.2-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, we look at the February 24th, 2012 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition. But before we get into that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is just a hobby for Mo and I. It's after work, so while we do a lot of careful, fundamental research during the week, uh, we're doing none of that here. Third, uh, and my lawyer says I need to remind you that we may not have your best interests in mind and may be accidentally advising you to do the opposite of what you should be doing, so do your own work. And finally, and this is important, uh, we've both been uh, drinking tonight. Um, I guess this is kind of becoming a, a habit, Mo. You've been I don't know. You've spilled more than you've got. I in did the glass. spill a little tonight, what have you. Uh, see all our caveats at www thevalueguys.com, and there's a couple of other interesting things there. First, a best ideas list going back five years and kind of up to date with pricing, and you can see the original uh, price back when we recommended it. Uh, also, uh, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, I found this old, uh, you know, database on U.S. historical statistics back to 1787. I put that on the site, and uh, what else? Well, we have the historical uh, information from the uh, Paleolithic times, and that's been carved on uh, giant stone um, plates, but uh, they'll be up on the web probably within a week. We're okay. doing, you know, Perfect. some so there's transcription a little more work. work there. But, yeah, so that'll give you the full, full Earth database is what we're going to call it. Yep, great. Good. So there's a lot of interesting stuff on the site, www.thevalueguys.com. Okay, let's get on with the show. It's an exciting uh, week, isn't it? No, I don't know. No, Maybe it isn't. Okay. Um, we're going to have four fabulous value ideas on the show. In fact, that's why you should listen in. Every week we're going to give you three or four, or five, but that'd be rare, or two if we overindulge. But try to give a handful of value ideas um, each week here on the show. But recently, I'm excited to say, we started up, because people would write in and they'd say, hey, how about some segments, show segments, you know, that's what shows do, and I'm like, well, I, I'm not. I, we don't know how to do that. But anyway, after a lot of careful work in the lab, our guys back in the lab came up with a little segment of the show we like to call "Paging Through National Economic Trends." I mean, it's trail breaking, really. And uh, and so we're no, at that. No well, one else is doing this. No one is. No <clears throat> one. Paging through. National economic trends. We're going to do that right now. You know what I like about this segment? There's a reason no one else is doing well, it. Well, it is what its name is. There's no, you know, don't you hate things that have names that have nothing to do with what they are? Like the, a lot of the companies tonight on yeah, our value line. Well, this, this segment of the show, paging through national economic trends, tells you exactly what we're about to do. So I actually, I did get Mo to page through national economic trends, and I encourage all of our listeners... Uh, this is from the St. Louis Federal Reserve. There's just a whole bunch of great information there. And so 
if you want to be a little ahead of our presidential candidates in this department, go and read up on what's actually happening in the economy, uh, which clearly they don't seem to do. But, better, better yet, get yeah. the uh, app for your iPhone. Yeah, the Fred app. It's unbelievable. It's um, and so I have two interesting tidbits uh, from this week's, and this is up to date. This site updates this through, you know, an hour ago. It's sitting here. Um, I have two tidbits from this week's, this moment's national economic trends. And I'll tell you, I'll just be candid. I try to have the couple of things that I find near the front so I don't have to page through all of it. But I, 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 I did go through all of it, but I found a couple of things. First, yeah, the unemployment rate continues to go down. We talked about that last week. Uh, the first thing on page three is called real GDP growth. And uh, it shows some bars for quarterly growth. And I would just note that, yeah, we had a dip last year. Each of the bars, each quarter in 2011, um, on a quarterly growth rate, was uh, higher than the prior quarter. And so, yeah, some of that's just coming off a trough, but that's a good trend. And then the other thing I would note, and this is on page uh, four, for those following along, um, and this is also real gross domestic product, but it goes back 25 years. So I like it. You get a little bit of a longer-term perspective, although it misses the 81 recession, which, uh, in, in my opinion, was the m most recent equivalent uh, downturn to uh, the one we've just had. In the, in the recent downturn, it was because all the banks almost at once uh, said we can't loan any more money because of our capital ratio. So all lending stopped, and that puts a break on everything pretty fast. Back then, it was because um, oil prices uh, quadrupled in 1979, and uh, inflation was uh, running at 13%. The long bond was 18%. In fact, we got in the business then. Long bond was 18%. Now it's 2%. And so it's been an extraordinary period that, you know, unlikely can be repeated. But the thing I wanted to take off of this chart or graph on page four is uh, it shows real gross domestic product percent changes. And this little dip that we've had here over the last number of months, um, you know, where we've had to be concerned about whether there's a double dip or not, I just say this happens every time, you know. People get excited. We're coming out of a recession. They invest. They stock up, etc. But then they, you know, they wait and see. They, you know, they have uh, they, they fill up inventory. The end demand doesn't quite come quite as quickly. And so when you look back in uh, the 92-93 period, growth growth came down back then uh, for about a year. But we were in the midst of a recovery. Back in 86, which I wish I had earlier years on, but I don't. There was a bit of a decline uh, back at that time. You know, again, sort of consolidating some of the gains. That same thing happened in uh, 03, 04. So in that time frame, we had uh, kind of a, you know, basically the economy taking a little breather. So um, I just would take note of that, that the little downtick um, is perfectly normal. And my opinion is, is that... Um, and you can see this in the you know earnings that are coming out. We're kind of we're kind of coming out of it. And the next leg of this will be, of course, construction. 
getting better. But, you know, I'm not an economist. But that, uh, did you have any uh, thoughts on the uh, National know, Economic <coughs> Trends segment of our show, Mo? In, uh, in looking through this, there, there are two things that are kind of cool to look at. Sometimes we talk about what's going on with interest rates on such a tactical basis. We're really looking out a month. We're looking back a month. We're looking out maybe two years, three years on the yield curve. But it's pretty fascinating, even for someone in the business, to take a look at what interest rates have done since 1987. So look at this. Here's this graph. Interest rates in 1987 were basically 9%. Ten years later, they had dropped to 6%. 10 years later, they had dropped to 5%. So for our entire career, yeah. we've had the organic growth of the market, but the added steroids of dropping interest rates. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. So you look at this, it does make you sort of wonder just in big picture, wow, what fuels the next 30 years can't be declining interest rates. So you've kind of blown through your supply of steroids. Well, uh, to the extent that uh, multiples uh, reflect the inverse of the interest rate, then you're absolutely right, but except with this exception. Here's the thing. If you ever look at a logarithmic chart versus a nominal chart, yeah. so interest rates went from 9 on your chart to what? 6, six to, five. to 5. So if you go from 5 to... Two and a half, that's just like going from nine to four and a half. And you can go from two and a half to one and a quarter, and that's the same as going, you know. So if you keep going asymptotic to zero, but, of course, the question the, is, who's going to invest the, their that, money at that rate? Right, and that, that's also theoretical in some senses because you get below a certain threshold, and even though the math would tell you that it should be compelling, the, the pocketbook tells you that it's not Yeah, well, that, you're right about that. So, and also but, inflation <laughs> is, you know, you don't know what it is, so these are just rough tools. I mean, no one has the so precision. Here's, so here's this graph that's heading, you know, that's heading straight down. It looks like a giant sled hill. And uh, right at the top of the sledding hill was when we kicked off our careers. And right about the bottom of the sledding hills when we're getting oh, off our careers. It's worked out for us, hasn't I'll tell it? you what, so if you're a 20 and 30, today, what can I tell you? I'll tell you. If you're in college right now, um, it's just such a different landscape than when I was in college because back then you had that potential ahead of you if you could just, you know, maybe get a few things under control in terms of particularly the percentage of oil that was controlled by OPEC was a serious matter back then. Now it isn't. They don't yeah. control prices anymore. And there's a lot of other things that are bringing inflation down, excess capacity and various things around the world, et cetera. But, but nonetheless, we've lost a little steroid. No question. Mm. We have. Next next graph. Whew. This is another one of these fun graphs to look at that give you this big picture perspective, yeah. which I like. There's a the graph here, federal debt as a percentage of GDP. That's what everyone was talking about last night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know this. In nineteen eighty eight, debt as a percentage of GDP was about fifty percent. Yeah. Ten years later it was about sixty percent. Yeah. Then it declined to forty percent. That was, so, those were the good times. Those were the good times, you know, the Clinton times when, when that, I think he was a, a party of that. But, Where um, do you see the 40% on there? 40%, right. The, oh, 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 sorry, it was 70%. 70%. Yeah, that's held by 70, public. Yep, public, yep, 70%. This is, the rest is probably China. So 50, 60, 70 has been creeping up. But in the last four years, it's gone to 100%. Ouch. Ouch is right. So the question is, 
I want to do the math. Next show, I'll be back. If we're going to get back to nominal levels, what kind of cuts are we really talking about? Well, there's two ways to get back. Either grow the GDP land. could grow a lot all of a sudden. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, this, there, there is some precedent for this. You know, at the end of World War II, the only time in history where the debt as a percentage of GDP was anywhere this close, and unfortunately those tables aren't in this book, but you can get them in that historical book that I've talked about uh, on the site, is at, at the end of World War II, yeah. because we just had to spend everything to, to deal with that. But then uh, within the next, really, 10 years after that, sure, they yeah, the post -war paid, boom. Yeah. paid that, all the soldiers came back, everyone got productive, mass uh, suburbanization of America, and that fueled the demand for all those factories that had previously been making tanks. I don't know how... We don't have a bunch of soldiers coming back now. I mean, the people that have been in Iraq and Afghanistan, we had two million guys under arms then. We don't have, and the population was, you know, uh, half the size. So it's a, it's a whole different, Time you out. know, <clears throat> percentages these days. So it can't be returning soldiers getting to work that's going to fuel it. What's it going to be? I think you're going to have to take some serious cuts to, to this by cutting. Uh, spending, I mean, that's the only thing you can do is you're going to have to cut spending at the federal level. And I think what a lot of people may or may not appreciate is over the last 10 years when private salaries were flat to down, the federal salaries kept marching up um, in association with inflation to where you have a giant gap now. And unfortunately, you know, people aren't talking about this exactly, but when the federal debt's going up, about 80% of that right now uh, is going to employees of the federal government or the pensions of ex-employees of the federal government because, let's face it, they don't buy factories. The money they use for things um, is, uh, you know, is, is for people. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see how it rolls out, no question. So is it true that you're going to uh, <clears throat> make an announcement that you're running for president? Uh, you know, Mo... They're, they're looking for a candidate. When they you get to the that memo. convention, I tell you, we're going to need something. I just uh, I just feel like we're at the, you know, at the 99 cent only, you know, Filene's basement here among the presidential candidates. I don't... Uh, Fun to watch, though. Uh, you know, I just have my kids go to bed. I don't let them watch. It's, it's, it's sad what's going on, these people. Well, it was, a, it, was a, on with it. it was a good week for us. You know, um, this week we passed Mitt Romney as having more friends on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. And um, we I have think more we listeners. Actually, we have a listener. We have a larger listener base. Oh boy, got to make All you right. feel good. All right. All right. Let's get to some stocks. We're really just blowing people's time here. So I apologize. Can I uh, refresh your oh, beverage yeah. here? This might be the reason we sometimes just go on a little. The first bit. time we've had champagne. Uh, well, again, I'm going through all my gifts. <laughs> you know, we've been doing the show in the office. We used to do the show years ago. We'd go in the library or hide out, you know, go. But now we're doing it in here. And uh, as you can see, I have a lot of bottles of stuff in here. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Mo, good to be with you on the you show. You know, your office is going to smell like champagne for about I did, six uh, more months. I did spill a little bit there, actually. Okay. Four exciting, kick-ass ideas here on The Value Guys. Uh, and let me just tell you what they are, so you, if you, if you want to skip ahead, you can. 
Uh, first up, and we're going alphabetically, Sutron, ticker STRN. Uh, and these are all from the uh, this week's uh, value line investment survey, small and mid-cap edition. Then Utah Medical Products, ticker UTMD. Clever there. Clever, yeah. And then uh, Young Innovations, Y-D-N-T. Sounds and, like you, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, right. And then finally, uh, and this is kind of an audible. It's not an alphabetical order because this uh, CEO actually came in my office this week, and it was a pretty interesting story. It's called Memsic, ticker M-E-M-S. So with that, uh, let me jump into Sutron. Ticker STRN. What do I like about this? Well, first, the valuation. It's uh, 13 times earnings, 20% discount to the market PE. Um, so I keep looking. What do they do? They provide, and this is from ValueLine, real-time data collection and control products, system software, and professional services in the hydrological, meteorological, and ocean monitoring markets. Real-time data, controls, data loggers, water level, systems, you know, blah, blah, blah. What I'm seeing here is technology, and it probably enhances productivity or gives people, decision makers, information that helps them to make decisions that help productivity. So the sale here, I'm sure, is all about helping return on investment for the customer. And when you have an environment like this where it's hard to make money um, or you want to save labor and that sort of thing, you know, these guys tend to do well. The company has uh, been growing nicely since the end of the recession. Now, this is a teeny little company, so beware, but that's what you get in these small cab names. And if you do a little homework, you might find yourself in the hands of some proprietary knowledge that other people don't have because nobody cares about it. It's a $5 stock. There's 4.5 million shares. It's a 20 or 30 million market cap. I can assure you nobody's looking at this. I mean, uh, they have no debt. They've got $2 a share in cash on a $5 stock. Um, their returns on capital are, you know, impressive in the sense that for the last eight years they've been over 20% or, or over 15%. They did dip down in 08 on a tough year. Sales were down 25% that year. But they're 15% last year, 17% last year. I'm sorry, 15 two years ago, 17 last year. And it looks like this year, 2011, just from the quarterly numbers here, might be a little soft compared to last year. And, you know, the economy's been a little soft, so maybe there's some tie-in. Um, they don't lose money. There's no losses on the page. Uh, they don't issue a bunch of stock. The stock has been flat for a decade. They do operating margins that, you know, move down in the recession but are, you know, at the 20% level, and that looks like it's being retained here in this year. So that tells me something's proprietary, or nobody's going to pay up for that. Uh, they pay uh, no dividend, and I I wouldn't expect that. So this is not a yield idea. It's just it's a it's a it's a cheap stock that trades at uh, you know when you do the enterprise value to EBITDA, it's a 30 million market cap. There's um, no debt. Nine million in cash, so that gets me down to twenty million in enterprise value, and I've got roughly four million in, uh, you know, in EBITDA. So it's it's like five times EBITDA. When you do the inverse, EBITDA over enterprise value, that's twenty percent. So if we all bought the company, 
we'd earn a 20% cash on cash return, and that's pretty good in an environment where the long bond is at 2%. So I like this. I take a look at it. Sutron, STRN, Mo. You know, <clears throat> chart I'm, not too good. Chart's not great. On one hand, this is stock that should be a big story stock. It's a play on global warming. You know, uh, five years ago, most people couldn't pronounce tsunami. Oh, now, I see. Okay. Right, now, think well, about that. Now, I every, don't know. Everybody knows that the weather conditions are becoming, at least it would seem, they're becoming more um, uh, volatile. And a company like this that does orderly warning systems and all that, you would think it would be a great story stock, and yet I'm not, I, you certainly don't see that in the yeah, charts. Good point. When I look at the, when I look at the earnings, Look, look at how inconsistent they are, 30, 50, 40, 10, 40, 60, 44. They're, for a company that's in what should be such a hot area, you should see, I would think, a little more consistency there. Sales, you had, th you had three years of sort of flattish sales, and maybe, maybe we're seeing a little bit of an upturn. It's been two years. But if things are soft again, I don't know, great story. I don't understand why it's not living up to that kind of it should be its reputation. Well, let me say this, Mo. I have no idea, but I would just wildly speculate. That's the beauty of, of being the value guys exactly. and heavily drinking. Um, they're a teeny little company. So they're, they're doing, undiscovered. Well, before we even get into that, they do $5 million in sales a quarter, so I'm going to guess that an order for them is a big order. You know, it's lumpy for them. They don't have some assembly line that's just turning out two of these a year or a day and sending them to Target. They've got, they're probably selling these to municipalities, harbors, foreign militaries, you know, I don't know. And maybe they get lumpiness and because of the overhead and the allocation of all that, things, earnings get a little lumpy. So, again, why is it five times EBITDA? One of the reasons would be would be the lumpiness, but and if we see lumpy contraction, we could see PE expansion. That's what I think. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. There's over your time. story. Yeah, great. Okay, good. So that was uh, Sutron Corp. Ticker STRN. And we're looking for fewer lumps, less lumps. Less yeah. Lumps. Okay. Next up, and this might be a little more exciting than the last idea. I don't know. Utah Medical Products. Okay, UTMD. What do I like about it? Uh, well, 3.2% yield, 15, per, 15 multiple, PE multiple, which I'm not thrilled about, but it is still a little bit of a discount. Um, so I look down. Uh, returns on capital have been terrific. So upper teens, lower 20s, so they dip sometimes. They've got uh, a little bit of debt. You know, it's 30% of capital. Offset by some a little bit of cash, but they are net. They do have net debt, um, but they're putting up a 38 percent operating margin. Now it gets my attention. So you can certainly handle debt at that level um, because your coverages are going to be terrific. You do a 38 percent operating margin on 25 million in sales. Again, a little company. That's going to be. I can't even do the math, but it's about uh, nine million in. EBITDA and your interest on 24 million at 5% is going to be a million too, so you're very well covered. They never lose money, at least not on this page. Always margins in the 30s and 40s throughout the page. Um, now, the downside, the negative here is sales have been very flat over the whole period. It almost I think they could set a record. It's eight years of pancake sales. Yeah, nothing. Nothing going on. Interesting. 
Um, but here's what I would say about that. An annuity that never goes up, if you're called the U.S. Treasury, is worth 50 times pre-tax. And these guys are selling at about nine times pre-tax. Now, they, they do pay a dividend, absolutely safe. The dividend is, uh, let's see here, 70 cents. And, uh, or no, I'm sorry, full year dividend 95 95 but yeah. why is this say but I guess last year this says well some of those must be special dividends because they're showing dividends declared per share up top but then the divid the actual dividends always higher so it seems like they're paying around a buck on a $29 stock that's so that's how they get to the 3% but yep. yeah, that's a pretty good little yield yep. and my suspicion on this one is because it's you know, you're not going to grow your way to wealth when you have flat sales. I don't know why they're so flat. They distribute a bunch of stuff uh, to the, uh, I didn't really say this, they, they distribute medical products um, and, let's see, labor and delivery, obstetrics products, fetal monitoring accessories, and a variety of things like that. My guess is they're not the biggest, so they're slightly losing share, but hanging on on a flat, you know, to flat sales. Um, but it looks cheap on a multiple basis to me, and I think ultimately they're just going to simply be bought out. They're too small, and some other firm that wants to move into their territory that is uh, expanding across the country through acquisition, whoever the biggest fetal monitor distributor is or the biggest uh obstetrics products distributor is, will buy these guys, and they'll pay more than it's trading at now, and you get a 3% yield book to boot. And yeah. it's absolutely safe. One of the things that worries me a little bit is the fact that they do have eight years of flat sales. Of course. Um, and uh, because of that, I, 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 I cheated on this stock. What? I, uh, I looked it up. Ah, to yeah. see why it's got flat sales. <clears throat> well, yeah. Here's an interesting way to, to use our show to use value line. I think you should use it as an idea that generates or piques your interest and then sends you off to do your research because you can look at a value line sheet like this and say, yeah, I like this company a lot. Um, if you do a little more digging, though, and you go on, um, you go on, uh, on the Internet, what you'll find is that uh, this company just acquired another company called Femcare, which were supposed to take care of their flat growth, and uh, they're having integration problems. Go look at uh, Seek Seeking Alpha and, and read about the company. Um, so it just tells you that you should have a couple of multiple sources so you can confirm if we like it doesn't necessarily mean we know what we're doing. But um, I definitely don't know what I'm talking but about on the, on other, the show. But on the other hand, they have purchased a company. The, the company is producing something that's, uh, that's a female sterilization device. Um, acclaimed, great product, good growth. The only thing people are disappointed about is the uh, slow growth of the integration of the synergies. So, uh, yeah, for yield like that, if you like the sector, yeah. See, Femcare, I'm now looking at some official stuff here. Femcare is uh, a U.K. company. Mm -hmm. So they're actually expanding their footprint internationally. So that's interesting. Yeah. That'd be another reason to perhaps Plus you're, think you're, about it's it. Not like you're, uh, it's not like you're not getting paid to sit in the stock and wait yeah. for this to happen. Yeah. Right. So, all right. Well, that's kind of lukewarmish, but mm -hmm. it's stable, safe, dividend, what have you. Okay. Well, saving the best for yeah. last. We are. I don't know. All right. Next up.
And this was a month, or I should say a week, where uh, Value Line had a bunch of these medical products guys. And I'm always attracted to them because of the annuity. The thesis on Young Innovations um, is, uh, and they're a, they're a manufacturer of dental-related products. The thesis is, you know, people want nice teeth. And population is growing. How about that? And dental is a tiny fraction of overall medical. There's not much insurance at this point in dental. So I think as uh, we move along here, um, it's quite likely that dental is just going to get rolled in into an ins some sort of insurance over time. And, um, and certainly the demographics bode well for dental. Um, you know, they're, they're trading at a little bit of a discount to the market. 15% discount. They put up um, low teens returns on equity and upper single digit low teens returns on capital. They have a little bit of debt. Uh, it's not long debt, it's short, uh, which is fine. And then they have uh, an enterprise value to EBITDA at nine times, which is an 11% cash on cash return. I'll take that. And then you get a tiny, teeny little dividend of 0.5%. Actually, the debt's not showing up here, but um, let me see here. Why do I think there's debt? Oh, because the uh, return on capital and the return on equity are different. So they must have had debt in the past. Ah, they did. They and did, yep. And they've paid it all off, yep. so that's a positive. Um they have products that sell all over the world, U.S., Canada, Europe, South America. They sell... Uh, Flavored examination gloves. Well, <laughs> this is their big product. I don't know if that's it. Let's see. They sell equipment used by dentists, dental hygienists, dental assistants, dental visitors, uh, and consumers. They uh, sell disposable and metal prophylaxis angles i don't even know what that is but they're the leader in the field they're the leader yeah profi cups and brushes that's big time mm -hmm. uh what micro applicators moisture control that usually Flavor. means blood <laughs> flavored examination <laughs> you thought you thought i was making that well, up you know you don't see those words together often. i've never I've, nice. my dentist has got to start using those on uh, me that'd be kind of nice now these products are marketed through distributors well the dental industry, uh, you know, there's a couple of big distributors out there. Uh, Patterson is one, and uh, who else? I don't know. But there's about three of them, and so they're undoubtedly selling into that channel. And the risk to a manufacturer of dental products is that you upset one of those distributors or two of them. So you want to check into that. But when I look at the sales here, uh, they do go up. They go up a little bit each year. Um, there was a one down year, that's 2009, and I'm going to guess that was because of inventory declines at dental offices, not because of declines in end use, but it could be. It's somewhat, dental is a little discretionary. Um, and uh, they, they put up a pretty good margin. Now, I know that the dental distributors are tough negotiators, so um, when you put up a, you know, upper 20s operating margin, it's because you're doing something that other people can't do. And maybe it's those flavored gloves, you know, I don't know. But they uh, they obviously have some things that aren't easily 
replicate. They've been uh, very consistent with their share count. If anything, they've bought shares at times, so that's a positive. Um, and obviously, we just, you know, by me being a little more careful about looking at the sheet, we've learned that they have paid down debt. So, uh, Young Innovations, 11% uh, cash on cash yield, 5 6% growth. That's a pretty good return. So, I like this one. Yeah, you know, they, they, uh, they just announced on February 6th they're buying back 500,000 or authorizing themselves to buy back 500,000 shares. So you said historically they've done this a few times, so it looks like they may do that again. You know, this is a great story. Um, I could speak from personal experience. Anyone who is 50 years old or older is going to spend $10,000 on their teeth in the next 10 years, whether they brush or floss or floss or brush. Now, we'll probably get sued by the American Association <laughs> of Dentists for saying that, but you're going to spend $10,000. My wife flosses and brushes, and she's got beautiful-looking teeth. And the thing is that the technology is advancing. When you go in, you get, you get your teeth cleaned, and the dentist says, you know all that... The, old, the way they used to do it in the old days is not good anymore. They used to make a very big hole in your tooth and fill it up with all this junk. Yeah. And the tooth starts to crack, so we have to put a we cap on it. We undo all that. Yeah. And so with all of these advances in technology, two things are happening. One, there's tons of redos. Yeah. And that's going to fuel big growth going yeah. forward. Um, and the other thing is... When you were 50, 20 years ago, they pulled all your teeth out. You had dentures. You I never went to the 50, dentist again. 20 years ago. When what are you talking about? Yeah, when you were 50. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would hey, be giving, giving away, away too much. much. Exactly. Um, you know, so people who are in their 60s and 70s are still going to dentists now because the technology is so advanced that they can keep those teeth in your head. You don't have a, just a pair of... Yeah. And people uh, want to keep their teeth longer. Yeah. That's a big deal. So it's a great... I like it's a great long-term play. You mentioned there's a growing population, but I would argue that the growing aging population is yeah. what's going to drive this no, thing. Absolutely. So it's a great story. Well, and also, uh, you know, emerging economies, India, China, as you get a little, you know, discretionary cash, Start, you're going to want to take care of your teeth. Exactly. So, yeah, I like it. Good story. Numbers look good. But. Do we do, but. Do, we do the drum roll? Okay. What? This is our, this is this is the company we've been oh, waiting all night for. People no, have, what? We have been waiting for us to wade through these other names have to been get waiting to this. Waiting for this? Waiting. Have they? This. Yeah, yeah, I think. All right. Well, why this don't you is, go ahead then? Uh, well, you have uh, had the meeting with the CEO. All right. I didn't, so I'll give you my unbiased opinion. And when I first looked at it, I thought, oh yeah, this is a total buy on the future. Accelerometers. Ten years, no one even knew how to pronounce that word. Now every teenage kid knows what one is because they're built into your iPhones. Yeah. I'm in the Apple store the other day. Do you know the Ping, the golf club maker, has a has an app that you can uh, buy. You put it on your iPhone, which deep. uses the accelerometer. You put you you connect that onto your putter, and it'll you can putt and it'll analyze your golf stroke. What is it analyzing? It's analyzing the angle. It's analyzing the accelerometer, yeah. and it's and it's measuring the impact. Yeah, that's what wow. these guys. That's Amazing. that's what these guys do. So it's a total play in the future. Think about cars are putting these devices in there. Um, well, what if you had one on your? Uh, you know, I mean, the I've sensors. Got, I have a, I have a have level one. on my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> you have a level on it. Right. There's a Wii now. Can you can hit a, a, an imaginary tennis ball and it can tell you what your power is. Yeah. 
So it's yeah, amazing. I love the story. Wave of the future. It's not even five years old. Yeah, and every device is going to have one of these things. Probably Your shoes will have it. E- easy to overlook micro mini cap, and you just met with a guy. So wh- well, tell me thing. what we, you thought. We we're a little shop. You know, one of the fun things about this is that you get to you, meet. You have a whole floor of this building, don't you? Actually, we do. Well, we do. So that is a fun thing. But also what's fun is that guys come in and they want to pitch you their stories, their companies. And they bring the CEO. I guess that's what we do in our industry. You know, they don't want to bring somebody's assistant. So the CEO comes in. And we'll just take any meeting. A lot of firms, you know, they're like, oh, that doesn't look attractive. I'll just say, I have no idea what's attractive. So I want to learn as much as I can. And then I'll figure out if it's attractive later. Maybe this guy's going to tell me something that helps me understand some other stock better or what have you. So we accept every meeting. And do you think that has anything to do with the free lunches I give you at Smith & Walensky's? Uh, No comment on that. Okay. It it absolutely does not. Those aren't gifts associated with my profession. Uh, That's all personal, personal. Um, But in this case, this gentleman came in, and I have to say, you know, we see all kinds of people. He looked like he was about, I don't know, 35 or something. He was a nice gentleman, a Chinese uh, uh, descent. And and we start talking, and his company's called Memsic. And it sounded familiar. I hadn't actually seen it. We take any meeting. None of my team could join me. I'm in the meeting alone. I know nothing about this. So we start talking about other stuff. He grew up in Shanghai, and uh, that's interesting to me, and starts talking about his view that maybe we aren't the first civilization here, that you know things completely vanish in a 200,000-year period. So if there was some other civilization, every trace of them is gone, and I... It's like, well, what about the bones? We see bones. So he backed off on that. We had this wide-ranging conversation. No idea what he's doing, what he's doing here. And my colleague was supposed to be in the meeting, but he, I guess, you know, met somebody and was off with that person. I don't know. But anyway, I'm with this guy. Well, it turns out he's the CEO of Memsic. And I learned that, as Mo was just telling us that these accelerometers well evidently he invented it and he was at a company i got some i got his institutional presentation here and uh his name is uh uh yang zhao and uh i hope i pronounced that properly yang and uh you know he uh he came in and what he told me was that he used to work at a firm I mean, this is interesting. Um, I wouldn't be talking about this if it didn't have some kind of thing going on. But he used to work at analog devices. That I have heard of. And he uh, invented a bunch of stuff there, wanted to go off on his own. He left. The chairman wanted to invest um, with him. He stays a good friend. Gave him some patents. So he's off now with this Memsic. And it turns out he's not 35. I want to learn what his skin care regimen is. He's, he's 55 or something, uh, educated at Princeton, invented a bunch of stuff. And one of them is this accelerometer. One of them is he's now putting compasses on chips. And his, uh, his you know, most important point that he made was that because of the volumes, his product is on the iPhone, uh, it's on the uh, Samsung phones, and so right there, you've got 
something like 70% of the market. I don't think he has Nokia, but maybe he will. His point is, because of his volumes, no one can compete with him on cost, and so he's going to have the market, and he's several years ahead of everyone in technology. Now, we get a lot of people that come in here, and they say stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, and it might not all be true, but the guy was very impressive. And so I'm looking at his company uh, on the value line here, and they've got uh, basically $2 in cash net. They've got some debt, but $2 net cash. The stock's at 3 they do sales of a buck sixty a share, up from a buck nineteen. That's last year, and this year it looks like, judging from the quarterly numbers and value line, it's running uh, nearly fifty percent ahead of that. So he's going to be doing north of two dollars a share in sales in two thousand eleven, and yet the price net of the cash is a buck. So that's half sales. You know, you can't really look at earnings on this one. It's very early on. He did a 4% operating margin last year. He had, uh, in 06 and 07, he had giant margins. But, again, he told me the story where um, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Ford Motor in, uh, in Germany um, gave him an order on the, for the automobile side just because they liked his technology, it was the craziest thing because they hadn't really been in business long enough to get the order, but it fueled that big margin because he had no costs, but as he built capacity to try to, of course, attack the uh, mobile uh, smartphone market, he laid in cost, and so he's lost a little bit of money here. But he is break-even over the last five years. His sales are going up by 50%. There is no enterprise value to EBITDA on this one. You'd have to just impute a margin. Um, but if you're trying to gain a lot of share fast, you, your margin's going to stay low so you can keep your price low and gain share. That's what he's doing. Uh, but on an enterprise value to sales basis, it's about 50% and growing at 50%. So that's a pretty interesting situation. And I can't recommend this outright on the show. It's just too raw for me, and the company doesn't have a lot of data. But it was a fascinating meeting. Sky was brilliant, invented a bunch of cool stuff. And he looks 20 years younger than he is. So I have a lot of interest in this. I'm going to be working on it. And I just especially, thought I'd share it. Especially if he decides he's going to found a skincare company. Yeah, maybe. But I just, uh, I just thought I'd share that with the listeners. That's the kind of thing that happens here. This guy wandered in. I've got a presentation here. It's probably on his website. He's that kind of guy. So you could go to Memsic or Google that and get into his investor relations stuff and look at this uh, presentation because there's pictures of all this stuff. There's charts and graphs. I mean, that's what institutional investors do. You go in and you dig in. Obviously, we don't do that on the show. But in this case, I thought I would just uh, pique your interest and encourage you to go look at this because it's, uh, it's something that uh, looks like it could be very interesting over time. You know, um, yeah, I, I love the story. Um, here's a question for you, and I'm just confused by one thing. These guys have had just great sales growth. Um, 20, 20 million, 28 million, 38 million. Looks like they're going to have another huge boost in sales this year. I mean, a big, big year. And early stage companies like this that, you, that don't have earnings very often at this stage trade on the basis of some multiple of sales. 
And uh, with this kind of sales momentum, with such a great story, with the quality of the management, you would have thought that the stock would really be moving on this because usually it's too early to really have skepticism about numbers further down the income statement. They're kind of meaningless at this stage. Yeah, fair so enough. Yeah. Great story, great, great revenue growth, and uh, I would have thought the stock would really be, be hot. So with that one question, I'd kick the tires a little more. Man, you got to love this story, and you know it's a five, ten-year play. Yeah. This is the way everything from vehicles to, uh, you know, sporting equipment to phones. Um, I was talking with a guy yesterday that said they used to work on a survey crew. There were usually nine guys on the crew. Today there's two because they're using all of these levels, all of these surveys. A lot of devices. stuff's automated now. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. what that's what these guys are smack dab in the middle of. So you got to love that. Um, so do we have a Well, I, I would add a, another. I mean, one reason this thing may not be... Um, you know, getting attention is it's a it's a teeny little company. It's sixty million market cap. I don't know how many people are covering this on the street, but I'm going to guess not a lot. Maybe they have a bank. Do they have fractions? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then the other thing is, it's not really been generating, you know, much profit. Uh, but a point that's just not supposed to. Not at this yeah. early stage. That you know, the company's five years old. So yeah. you look at that and you sort of think, you know, a little cable went through this. Well, the only other thing I'd this. say, that, that there's a common rule among retail brokers. A lot of times companies like this, the retail brokerage community takes, you yeah. know, they, yeah. and this is under $5. And right. so you can't, a lot of firms put a, uh, and it's arbitrary in my opinion, because you could obviously do a reverse split and make the stock $6 and get around that. But a lot of firms... And you and I both used to work at firms with a lot of retail guys, and, uh, you know, they just can't touch it. And those are the guys that sometimes get these things crazy going. Yep. Um, and it's probably too small at this point for a lot of institutions, so it's just sort of sitting there. Well, at least based on all the old metrics, it would uh, might be my top pick. Really? So wow. is it that time? Uh, yeah. Let's have our favorites. Drum roll. That, was that a drum roll? Careful. No. Okay. Um, my favorite this week, uh, is going to be Sutron, ticker S-T-R-N. How about that? I think that's a, it's a marvelous choice. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a thank marvelous you. choice. And but how about yourself? What I you? am going to go with Memsic. Memsic? Well, you know, it's a long-term play for the pure sex appeal of it. And one of the things that's fun about owning a $3 stock is it can kind of become your hobby. And <laughs> the more you learn about it, look, this isn't geek stuff. You can go to a cocktail party yeah, you and have say, a party show, me, That's show, me, show me your iPhone. Let me show you some cool stuff. Do you know the guy who makes this really right. cool little you're thing? Just, you just want to meet people. Well, That's so, what you're so it's a great way to, um, to, A, probably make some money and learn a little bit at the same time because you're holding. So be my, uh, be my top choice on two different bases. All right, everybody. Well, uh, you've managed to waste another uh, 30 minutes listening to the value guys, and I totally stole that from uh, uh, Car Talk. But thanks for listening in. Again, see all our caveats, disclosures, photos from our childhood at www.thevalueguys.com. Thanks for listening in, everybody. See you next week.